Today at the SDGI Directors in Dialogue, Animation Director Steve Woods discusses the art of pixelation. What pixelation is, of course, that it is animation. It's animation because it's frame by frame. That's the old definition of uh, animation. And even in a computer, you know, you create a field and then you put on, uh, you know, you create a frame and you have to consider the, the, the motion frame by frame as opposed to a live action camera where you just roll the film. So, um, so we know what we're doing when, but the definition of animation, of course, is not just uh, shooting frame by frame, it's giving life to inanimate objects, you know? So, so you know, if you want to animate that table, the table, you have to sort of think, well, how do I give a character and two legs, it jumps up to surprise. So that's a table. What about, a, uh, uh, you want a uh, human being. So you draw a human being and, and you give it all the expressions and it, you make it walk. And you study all of that, how it, how it works frame by frame and there's usually for walk eight drawings a second. Eight drawings, um, not a second, but eight drawings for a complete step. And then um, you shoot X amount, you know, 12 drawings a second to get a second of, uh, you, draw 12 fil- you draw 12 drawings to get a second of real time. So, um, so that's great. You've got inanimate objects. In other words, a table, if you wanted a, a, you know, a table or a drawing. You could, you could actually make a little model of a human being and, and manipulate them and shoot them frame by frame. So a drawing is an inanimate object, a model is an inanimate object. So what you try to do when you, when you animate these things is to make them, uh, is to make them uh, look like living objects. So you try to make them look real. So if you want to ma- animate a human being, you know, why would you shoot a human being frame by frame? All you have to do is say, you know, if you want a human being to pick up a coffee like that, you just say, roll, action, and the human being does it. And it's perfectly lifelike. So anything you're going to do with a human being is going to be exaggerated. There's no point doing anything unless you're going to exaggerate. And so you're going to exaggerate, uh, you're going to be an animator exaggerating. So it's like and so you're going to make tricks that are going to be, so instead of doing something live action like picking up a, a, a cup, when the person tries to pick the cup, the cup will start traveling around. Which you're giving the life to the cup that way. So then the human being, when it tries to chase, you can try and say, well, I'll exaggerate the sound, or the, 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 the speed, and we'll exaggerate the reactions. And so to do that, then you start moving them like a model. You know? So you start exaggerating usually the speed that they're traveling in, or you exaggerate gravity. And they're the two things that animators worry about all the time when they're making films. You know, when they're drawing or manipulating models or creating figures in a computer. They're worried about time and motion all the time, you know, how weight affects uh, the motion of, a, of somebody or something, and how weight affects the timing, and how the motion affects the timing. It's all about timing. So what pixelation does is, is um, exaggerates timing and exaggerates weight. And so very often people float and, um, and um, travel at odd speeds in, animation, in pixelation. So uh, actually, we'll show the admit one. Show the dance film first. No, it's, a, it's a dance film. Most of it's a dance film. But the reason why I wanted to show it is because um, it's really getting out of the way. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know these events are organizing you meant to show your work. So uh, this is um, this was my first attempt to try to um, um, mix live action and pixelation together. Um, Live action and pixelation did come together, you know, uh, in the very, very beginning of filmmaking, which is one of the things I wanted to show you on YouTube. But, yeah, we'll watch this and then we'll just talk about it afterwards.
What I was trying to do there was, um, uh, you know, I was decided I'd use it for a reason. I wanted the, the idea that, you know, magic can happen in a cinema and that um, people sometimes watch film too passively. So um, one of the people that begins to break out of a monotonous movement. So the people in the, in, the, um, in the film weren't. So we had an extreme of people who were moving in a pixelated way and, and a, a guy who was dancing. So I thought there was a good reason to use the uh, pixelation in that film to help, to help the film. But what, what happened to an awful lot of pixelation, and what's happening to pixelation at the moment too, I think, is that people are into the fun of it. It's gags, you know? So a lot of people, uh, back in the day, when they showed, actually when they showed the very first films, um, the very, very first films were Lumiere Brothers back in 1896 and whatever it was. And um, they had a, a projector. And so when they wheeled back the, the wheels uh, so they could show them again, uh, people stayed to watch it and they saw everything going backwards and they laughed. Particularly the scene where they were knocking down a wall because there you had a, when you were when they showed it first there was a wall they knocked it down and it's a pile of rubble. When they reeled it back, you could see all the stones coming together and sense it sets itself up. So people very early on realised that you could make tricks with film, and then they realised that you could stop the film in the middle of a, of, a, of a film and pull a trick. So you could have something. This is what I was going to show you in the uh, YouTube thing. So you could have somebody say uh, punching someone. And as they're just about to, I don't know why I'm picking you, Dan. But there, yeah. <laughs> so just as I'm about to hit and connect with uh, Dan, the director could shout, cut. Dan could get out of the way. And then the actor would say, action, and he'd follow through. And you'd edit it together, and suddenly you'd look like Dan had disappeared into thin air. And so you had this, you had this stop frame effect. You weren't shooting frame by frame, but you had a stop frame effect in the middle of a film. And it created a gag. Dan disappears, and I fall over because I don't hit anything. Um, so, um, so that's the idea of trick photography and, 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 uh, and stop frame. And in fact, I think in Germany they still call animation trick film because it was considered trick film. But the problem with early animation, and I think it's happening a bit with YouTube as well, is that, um, is that um, people are playing for gags. And, and that's okay, and it's great that people are making films and, and using YouTube and all that. But it took a long time for animation to move away that it was just a vehicle for gags. You know, like, it's something you stick on in front of a, a feature film and everybody laughs uh, at a few gags and, you know, you see comic book characters coming to life like Mutt and Jeff and silly, you know, uh, slapstick stuff happens to them. Um, Tex Avery once said, give me a beginning and an end and I'll write in 38 gags and you'll have a film. As if, you know, that's what filmmaking is about, just gags. And it's great if it is gags and Tex Avery was the greatest animator that ever lived probably. So who's, who's to give him our time? But, but um, and today I think in YouTube what you're getting a lot is, um, is uh, people um, using the exaggeration of speed and movement. You know, you stop frame. I mean, I was doing it there with the tables, the old been chaotic and started going very, very fast um, for a lot of gags. A lot of the gags are uh, people sliding around, um, um, you know, grass or something. There's one, there's one of the animators on the, uh, on, on the piece you just saw. Uh, luckily, we had three other animators as well. I just had to get that inside. But uh, the thing of it is, is that um, you're getting you're getting people. Uh, you know, there's a good one at the moment of a pizza. A guy makes about 17 pizzas and sort of like in a flash, puts them into the oven, come out. He's got them all sitting there, and this guy zips in very very fast in one foot, and just puts his mouth against them and sucks them all in. And it's very very well done. And it's very funny, but it's playing for gags and it's playing this exaggeration of speed. 
and movement for gags. Or so I would like to think you can do it for something more profound. So anyway, I was working on a workshop where I tried to get them to do something more profound, but we also worked on tricks. So this is um, a workshop film I made. Um, DVD. DVD, yeah. Um, that uh, incorporates tricks, simple tricks if you want to ask me questions about them. There's, no big, there's nothing very secret about them. And um, I try to get a story in. So um, we, it was part of a wider workshop on, on uh, scripting and, and shooting. And uh, we were trying to get an editor as well involved with the, but we, edit, we edited in the camera anyway as you can with animation. Um, yeah, no, the, the thing, so it had a lot of the tricks in it. You know, it had, um, Things disappearing into the into the ground and coming out of the coke can. So we just cut, cut a coke can up twelve times, and so you shot it two by two. It's very easy to cut a coke can up because uh, it's nearly made like paper anyway. And so you could build it up coming up and down and shoot frame, shoot shot in twos. Everything was shot in twos. And um, so the upshot of it is is that uh, we had them s s uh, hovering into the frame, you know, just by so they'd stand on one leg and shoot, and then move them and shoot, move them and shoot, move them and shoot. Um, she was a great jumper. It was really she was exceptionally <laughs> good. So she she nearly had it every time. You know, once or twice we had to take a two few couple of frames out. But basically, we shot her until she got tired, <laughs> which was about I think she did about sixty five jumps. So we had nearly three seconds of jumps there, um, or more. Who knows? Uh, yeah, she probably shot in twos then. No, we could only get one. We could only get that in the wings, of course, as she went up. But um, the thing of it is, is that. Um, um, and there's kind of a storyline in it, you know, that they get together. You know, they start off the back to back and they end up together, you know. And the scarf brought them together. So there's some sort of a storyline in it. So, um, so pixelation can can uh, I think be a little deeper, maybe than just gags and stuff like that. Just about the, the two frame thing. Would you recommend two frame rather than three frames at a time? That I think better than three frames for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a kind of an argument about this, you know, why don't you just shoot the whole thing and just strip the frames out, you know? Um, isn't there, isn't there um, you know, I, I think if you keep it close to anim the animation principles as possible, you keep thinking like an animator, you know? Oh, there's the credits in blue, 2008. I think he made it in, um, <coughs> he made it in two cities, actually. I think he made it in Buenos Aires in Berlin. It looks like I think that Simon's Buenos Aires is trying to figure out. Like, Where is that? <laughs> um, so, this for me works because it's it's very classical animation in some respects. It's got some good timing and it's very filmmaking in some respects. That there's some um, there's um, there's very good transitions. Sometimes the, trans the transitions happen on action as well, which so kind of let let you follow it well. But then in other cases, it's very very out there. You know, it, it's. Um, it doesn't really have a beginning, middle, and an end. I suppose when the guy ends up as a skeleton, you know, well, maybe. But, um, but um, I like it because it's trying to do something profound, and I, I, it's using it's a kind of using pixelation with um, with uh, uh, out, you know it's using the outdoors of pixelation and frame by frame, but it's also doing something with um, um, the whole idea of. Um, you know, are trying to lift it up and make it more profound and get away from just gags, you know. Um, well, so what was the next piece we have here? We have this two. Uh, yeah, so we got um, McLaren, <coughs> right. Now, um, one of the things I was going to show you um, is a, a piece that if you get around to it, it's uh, called um, A Year Along the Abandoned Road. Fortunately, does anybody know that film? Does anybody know it? It's really, really a gorgeous film. It's made in Norway. I can't remember the guy's name right now. Um, and literally, it's a film uh, about 
a journey along an abandoned road in Norway and starts off in darkness and the, the, um, the snow melts and then he travels down towards a, um, a ferry point where there just happens to be Midsummer's Day where a few people have a bit of a party and play the fiddle and dance and go away in the ferry and then the camera turns around again goes back up the road and it starts snowing again so you might say that well that's time lapse you know but again, it's a bit like blue. It's 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 going a bit further than just doing some sort of shots of graphics, uh, moving animation graphics. It's 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 time lapse is like an effect, just like a trick, like trick film is, like stopping the frame and having Dan jump out of the frame and then rolling the film again. Um, time lapse is cool. It's like gives a certain import to a certain scene you know you have clouds rushing by in a valley so the valley's beautiful we're in nature and nature's alive we get it you know but what this film did was it it introduced the idea of pixelation because yeah it was all time lapse it was a whole year going by in 12 minutes so i suppose it was a, a month a minute i don't know but it had movement in it that made it for me pixelation the camera starts traveling down the counter down the down the road and that for me brought it beyond time-lapse and also it had a storyline in it because you began to feel yeah nature's wonderful but you, you you're traveling it was kind of a road movie literally and there's a really for me a very powerful point in it and of course it's got sound working in it, and he had sound working in his film too uh, which made it quite filmic despite his amateurishness but in this film a uh, year long the, the abandoned road there's a point where you think you've arrived everybody gets in the ferry and goes away and then the camera slowly starts turning again you're going, oh my God, it's going to go back to the darkness and the snow. Only. And so when it starts turning again, you get that feeling of, oh no. You know, it's really, the movement is trying to tell you something. It's trying to give you some feeling, emotional quality. It's not just, oh, let's just uh, roll the camera for a year and see what happens. It's actually trying to do something. And that's why I think um, that pixelation is underestimated if it's just considered for gags. Like like in the workshop film I made where it's just oh yeah they're all <coughs> jumping on one leg or they're all jumping and hovering in midair or they're all they're all um you know they're playing with coke cans there's got to be something a little bit extra so um one of the films that I, I think people should re you know retreat back to if you like is a film by Norm McLaren I suppose a lot of people know Norm McLaren anyway he was the guy who helped set up the um animation department in Canada and, and the Canadian Film Board and created the Canadian Film Board's high standard. He's the guy who sort of set the benchmark. And um, he experimented in lots of films and he, had, he was into dance as well. Like I'm into dance and I've made a number of dance films and you saw one of them there because I think a lot of animators like dance because it's weight and movement and timing. And um, he did a lot of that. And, and he started playing around with pixelation going back to the idea of the original filmmaking. And he came up with this film called Neighbours. I think it's 1954 or something. It's quite important uh, in, in two respects. And one, it's, uh, it's about... Um, it was one of the early films that started saying, listen, we're making atomic bombs and we could blow ourselves up entirely, you know? That wasn't a concept people had, you know? I mean, around about that time, same time, someone was suggesting that oh, why didn't we have the atomic bomb when we were building the Panama Canal? We could just have bombed our way through Panama. And, you know, nobody knew about radiation sickness much or things. So there was strong talk about, yeah, it can be an engineering tool. You know, we can blast our way, you know, make tunnels through the Urals, the mountains or something, or the Alps. And uh, so people still had a naive, but the most naive attitude I think they had was that they could bomb their enemy with, with them. 
and that their enemy would be wiped out. Whereas in actual fact, their enemy would most likely have got another 300 bombs into them. And so yet the idea of mutually assured uh, destruction, MAD as it was called, wasn't well out there. And it was, it was, it was writers, artists and writers who started saying, wait a minute, this stuff is really serious. It's going to wipe us all out. So he had that very important message to make in this film. And um, at the same time, he, um, he also wanted to make uh, a film that, uh, that went beyond the gags. So he has the gags in them, but there's a very powerful moment of cartoon violence, a very strong piece of violence. And I think it's a case where, um, this is a case of where pixelation can step beyond not just the exaggeration of speed and movement uh, and defying gravity, but also can make a, a, a very, very profound point. Maybe we have Blue there trying to make very profound art, and you know, moving art is very profound anyway, because there's just something about art when it moves that you go, you know, the moving picture is just so hypnotic and you want to you watch it. But I think you can also, if you get into the land, the sort of the surreal world of pixelation, uh, that uh, you can begin to make more profound points than simply gags or people eating, you know, six pizzas in one second or whatever it is and uh, this film I think is a good example of that yeah. so so it is quite earthbreaking it won the Oscar that year and I've seen it I think it was released um, Hedy McCollum uh, Coppola made that film Rumblefish and he got it to uh, to go in front of it because he still thought it was kind of important for people to learn the lesson of uh, and maybe because he, you know Rumble, Rumblefish was about violence he wanted to put uh, something profound about violence in front of the film as well. Um, so the, the real, for me, the real moment in that film uh, is when he hits the kid, and the kid is, the kid is put down the ground, booted out of the frame. But you can only do that in pixelation, and, uh, I think. And um, <laughs> the kid was probably asleep. The baby didn't get it. But the whole, the whole, also the whole demonstration of the movement, the, you know, when they sniff the... There's a reason for them to get excited, and they express their excitement, but they're they found this flower that smells wonderfully and uh, get completely out of it and go all over the place. It's not just a case of, uh, oh, let's just have them dance around for, no, you know, for any old reason. They're actually, um, they're actually responding to something that's happening in the storyline. And um, so, so basically, I, with that in mind, I decided that I'd make a film um, which I put into the uh, Frameworks Award scheme and it uh, got rejected so I went to hell with that I'm going to do it anyway this film is now um, this film is in uh, I suppose it's finished I shot it in September and uh, I shot it in twos because I think you have to shoot in twos you know I think yeah for me I think if you're going to approach this thing at all uh, you have to think like an animator so you have to think about weight and movement and timing otherwise if you shoot something in real time and then strip every Tenth, you know, every what, what's the way of doing it? Because the the cameraman got a bit frustrated that we were taking so long. Remember, with the uh, particularly with the camera, he was saying, "Why don't we just shoot it?" Just, you know, and just you know, the next scene then was for shot in sequence for him to dance, and he, so uh, in the air. So the dancer then started jumping up, and we started shooting when he was on the air on the top of the air. And he said, "Well, why don't we just run the camera for ten minutes and let him jump for ten minutes, and then strip the frames of him up in the air all the time." And you know that is that that is a way out of it, and that is a way we can do this now with digital camera work. So the reason why I'm against doing that um, is that I think um, it's a case of uh, it's just a message. The way of doing it is is um, you stop thinking about weight and movement and timing if you do that. You just start thinking of live action timing. 
Now, I may be wrong. Maybe I'm just been a purist about that and just, you know, want to do things the old-fashioned way. But um, I think um, if you approach your storyboard, even like an animator, and sort of say, oh, this action's going to happen, I'm going to try and exaggerate this, then when you actually do come to shoot it, you would have to shoot it with animators manipulating people and, and stuff. And that's the other thing, getting an animators to move the table is better than... Well, anybody can move the table. I mean, a prop hand can shift the table because an animator is going to think of putting curves in and timing in it and you know all, all that kind of stuff. So I think you have to approach it like animation two by two and shoot it in twos. And um, so you know, so I'll I'll show this now. Shall I say something about the film? The film came out of a, a stuff I'd I'd been reading about Dutch paintings. Um, Dutch paintings are are. Uh, considered you know obviously the masterworks are beautiful beautiful pieces of work they're famous for you know uh, the shading of light and dark in them and uh, they came in a period when uh, people were you know up to then as they was in Europe it was mostly the Catholic Church and the aristocracy were commissioning film um, films commissioning uh, art and um, usually it was very pompous and you know made the nobility look very noble and it made you know, it was all the um, crucifixions and all this kind of stuff and then when the Protestant Reformation happened in Holland, uh, you know, there was more of a new class, it wasn't just nobles, and they wanted to create a sort of, they created a bourgeois art, if you like, and, and, um, and that didn't diminish the work, it didn't become primitive, it actually became better, and the, the, uh, the workers, the, the artists were, were uh, producing amazing work. But one of the criticisms of Dutch art is that it doesn't have, it's art for art's sake, it doesn't have great messages in it. Because um, whatever you can say about Catholic art, it was all about uh, you know um, you know it was in, infused with lots of you know spirituality and you know uh, our religion is the best religion and all that kind of stuff. <coughs> so you had the Sistine Chapel and all that kind of stuff. Whereas in, in uh, Holland, they, they there was an awful lot of you know businessmen sitting around a table getting you know businessmen sitting around a table, uh, still life and stuff like that. They tended they did use a lot of symbolism. So like in an awful lot of Dutch paintings, you would have maybe a woman with a, a musical instrument, and that was a symbol that she was in a, a, a loyal relationship, or she was in love, I should say. Any musical instrument could suggest that. If there was a dog or another animal in the room, it would suggest that she was been faithful to the person that she loved. Uh, and uh, you know, so and and there were lots of symbols like that that sort of you could find a storyline, and there was an interesting storylines in, in in Dutch paintings, but they didn't have profound messages in them. And I, I went to an exhibition in uh, in Dublin about four or five years ago called Love Letters, which was about the Dutch genre of love letters, where people would you'd see somebody writing a letter, and it was to the who they loved, and you know, I I always thought they were good. You know, so they're famous for mere ones and all that. So you think they're brilliant, and. Um, when you see a bunch of them together, it becomes very samey, and you're going, well, what is the point of all this? And I just came out of it, rather than blown away, going, it's just all the same bloody thing. It's like they were just formulaic. And I thought there was something wrong with this, because Dutch paintings are meant to be wonderful. And so somebody, a friend of mine, uh, gave me a poem called Dutch Paintings, where the poet is making remarks about this all the time. They're saying, you know, so what's the big deal about writing letters? What are the letters? Are they love letters? Are they bills? Are you whinging about something? You know, it's all, you know, it's just very, very uh, anti-Dutch painting. I, I kind of enjoyed that. And I thought that, you know, uh, I should make a comment about Dutch painting. Anyway, so what the hell has this got to do with pixelation? Well, um, okay, well, the two reasons why I use pixelation, apart from the fact that I'm interested in it, is because the, the, the Dutch paintings are this sense of calmness. And uh, I wanted to mess with that sense of stillness. People say when you look at a Dutch painting, it's like looking at a meditative moment. There's a moment of meditation there, and that's very true. I mean, think of Vermeer. You look at a Vermeer painting, it's like this 
it's like a freeze of time. And so I thought with pixelation I could mess with that. And I don't think I messed with it enough. I can tell you why after the film's over, maybe why I think I didn't, really I didn't do enough pixelation, it's probably the bottom out of the last answer. And the other reason why I wanted to use pixelation was I wanted to show uh, violence in a, in a very, uh, like Neighbours, where you go, oh my God, they set the kid. I wanted that kind of, I've kind of given it away to you here because, uh, but presumably you're somebody here watching, what the hell is this film and why are we watching it and why is it coming to? But I think you, you know what it's about, so I kind of messed it up for you a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a very, very low budget film and uh, it didn't, didn't get frameworks and I, you know, the frameworks project had, you know, it's going to have tracks in it and it would have been taken maybe a week to shoot or two days to shoot or something. We shot that in three days and four days counting them, the ducks and the, um, the still life scene. So, um, and the idea is the violence, because when the, when the black girl comes out, um, you're kind of going, oh, something's going to happen here. You don't think after she dances and sort of gets her frustrations out that uh, they're going to hit her. And they're, they're all in the same position. They're all holding their hands up. But they, it's kind of like, you know, it's a bit like Mafia Wives, you know, they, they say Mafia Wives are the enablers for the Mafia, you know. <laughs> so it's kind of like um, women played a role in all this as well, I suppose, uh, in slavery as well. And it's women and women of violence, you don't normally see that. And um, there's also, um, yeah, the servant, one servant can travel around, the other can't, you know, obviously. So she can pass through doors and, and obviously the black servant can't. So that's really the thing. So that's the wonderful world of pixelation. Um, I would recommend just to try and see a year along the abandoned road and um, just check out what uh, how people started off trying to. Uh, Is that a short film or? It's twelve minutes. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very popular. It goes uh, goes still does the festival ones and was made in ninety one in nineteen ninety one, and they're still shown in festivals. Because when I got it for the Galway Film Flat, I did a pixelation program about two years ago in the Galway Film Flat. And I got it, and um, they were saying, you know, it's, you'd be lucky, and it just happened the dates were right. So they've got about seven prints, and they're going, it's going around the world all the time. Very, very kind of profound and interesting, you know. Shot in black and white as well. Did you ever see that film, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? Yeah, the one that was mad as well, like it was pixelation, and like the images were, were moving so fast, you know, so in the end, the person became one. Yeah. The system for every the 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 doctor Jekyll is changing, so he changes over say thirty seconds or something. But as as you get into the end of the thirty seconds, they started introducing Mr Hyde and put him exactly in the same place. So they put him in for two frames, and then they get him out and put a man in for two frames, and put him. It just kept seeing this terrible shimmer in there. It was really really spooky. That. And uh, they used the soundtrack from the Spencer Tracy movie. So it was like really strange 1950s music going on behind it. Yeah, yeah I think there's other techniques people should really try to, you know, I think if we get into pixelation, we can explore the things with it, you know. I think making profound points uh, might be the way to go than just, just using, um, using it as a vehicle for gags. That's my theory on it anyway. Um, I don't know about the advertising industry. Would the advertising industry ever use it much? Um, not huge mentally. They're more they're more into banging on about three D stereoscopic at the moment. Yeah. What was that advertisement recently where the um was a girl in a bed and her daily life happened 
On the bed, is this, am I making this up? Or no, that's a, that's a film, oh. another, that's called uh, Harmonian Elegance. It's right. a piece of music. Mm. She's got beautiful yes. red hair. Yes, and she's, she's on like the, the, the clouds and all. Yeah. They're like the clothes to Because that's the two. Well. That's I mean, that's the two things. You like normally when you make a a, a pixelated film, you lock the camera off because mm. you don't want to be messing too much with the camera. That's why along the abandoned road is kind of interesting. And they had a very complicated rig for that apparently that was built out of railway sleepers and they they had it on tracks and they moved it up and down. But um, that one was, you locked, they locked the camera up over the, over the bed, and the bed was the world, and everything had to happen on the bed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she dreams things, and, yeah, she dances and stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. She starts swimming, and, yeah, and the fish go by the other way. Yeah, it's a lovely, Thank lovely you. piece of work. Yeah. There's tons of that stuff out there for looking at. I think if you probably put pixelation up on YouTube, you can get a whole dozen stuff. But that one, her morning elegance, was exceptionally well made. Yeah. I'd say it took ages to go. Yeah, no, it looked... Uh, Steve, are there any feature films that use kind of quite a bit of pixelation? Yeah, there is. There's a, there is one or two. There's the famous, most famous one I know about. Again, was made in about ninety one or ninety two. It was called The Adventures of Thumb Thumb, which was um, it had a lot of pixelation and it. it was very macabre. And <coughs> the all the characters were well live action, but the the little Tom Thumb character was a little uh, spongy kind of a. Uh, 3D doll, you know, so that mm. it was manipulated, and so everybody around it had to move, and so they decided, well, we make them all, um, you know, we make them all do strange things like skid around the place, and, and there was lots of special effects in it as well, like uh, chairs and tables moving and, and bubbles and things and happening. I can't think of any others. Do you know anybody yeah, else? Yeah, no, Sounds of Sleep. Yeah, oh, Michelle Gondry movie used to love. Oh yeah, that's true. Pretty recent years, I didn't see that one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's a strange movie, yeah. as you'd expect from him, but it's, it's the pixelations, it's well done. It's oh. kind of integrated into it's, it's about it, like, you know, a lot of kind of flips between dream world and reality, and you're never quite sure which is which. So, there's in his dreams, there's a lot of it happening, you know, where it's manipulation of stuff going on in his life. It's, it's, it's well done. Uh, there was another one in the 70s or 80s <coughs> called The Wizard of Speed and Light. Is it Speed and Light? Or Speed and Time? Speed and Time, maybe. Uh, about 90 minutes long. Mm. Got some good scenes in it. Along with it's ninety minutes in the pixelation world. How many yeah. minutes is that in real life? Yeah, how I many? Well, ninety <laughs> minutes is about. Yeah, it's. I, I don't know when you start saying it's a feature film. It's after eighty minutes or so. Mm. So ninety minutes uh, of pixelation would be quite busy to watch. You know, because yeah. um, that's the thing about pixelation too. It can be a little difficult on the. If you're doing a pixelation program, I would say seventy minutes would be quite long because you'd start. You know, it's really like looking at uh, flash photography or something. You know, it's just, you know, it's, that's another problem with it too. I didn't sh I didn't have lights. I decided not to shoot with lights on that uh, Dutch darkness thing because um, I just thought it was setting all the setups would just take longer and the space we were working in was uh, for free. It was a care castle down in Tipperary and if we started rigging lights up everywhere, there might be insurance problems and people visiting. There was people visiting all the time, walking in and out. And as long as they stayed out of frame, it was okay. If we had lights and that, I thought it'd be just too troublesome. And I also thought, because I shot the thing in Syria without lights, that you could do anything <coughs> with lights. But now I realise that it's, uh, it's mm -hmm. especially when we come to grading, that it's really duller and more difficult. So I wish I had, uh, I wish I had had lights. And the lights might have also masked out the changing in uh, some. I mean, we calmed it down quite a bit, but there were some places where the uh, the lighting was flashing on the uh, furniture. We were getting these really flaring things happening, you know, so that was a bit problematic. So, 
I'd recommend using lights, even though it complicates things more. Uh, I think in the Syrian film, the the lack of use of lights was given more of that handcraft feel. Um, it's like seeing, you know, when you're looking at stop motion, you see the fingerprints, mm. um, but in the clay, it's kind of like that really sort of handcrafted feel, yeah. like you know. Uh, same with like, say, if you did shoot uh, like ten minutes of footage and take the frames out, it's it's just a bit too yeah. clean, you know, mm. to be pixelation. Yeah, I agree. You're, you're kind of expecting that sort of little bit of jump, isn't it? Yeah. Well, does your darkness is clean. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Very, I'm very critical at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I see John smiling over there. <laughs> I can't look at you. John, uh, John did the, uh, among the other things, he did the pearls, um, not coming off the woman, but going across the floor. He cut a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> you were about six hours <coughs> on your knees. Yeah. On, on my hands and knees on the whole stall floor. Or he just <laughs> missed, and missed about half of it. <coughs> missed about half of it. Still it's the it's editor true. for you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and also the door ships in the middle of it all. You did that. You didn't notice it. No. The door gave, there was this jolt in the door that you're not meant That's to yeah, have. Yeah, you wouldn't it. notice if you hadn't edited it for thirty seconds. Would have just slid forward for <laughs> And uh, it was actually at a peg bar event that I met Sophie. Yeah, yeah, somewhere. Uh, I told her about it. Uh, Your star yes. in both films. <laughs> <laughs> both films, yeah. Well, I told her I was thinking about Dutch Darkness before I, I made the dance one. Yeah. And so I said, hey, I've got this, you know, as soon as I saw her up there, I was going, that's the first time I met her. I was yeah. going, she's got to be in this Dutch film I'm making, you know, for sure. She's got a mannequin kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Great. I thought it was photographs of painting. Oh, really? That's great. <laughs> yeah, I wish. But there's the, the thing about it, too, was there wasn't, in a way, it misses the sliding about and the hovering uh, could have done with a bit of that you know and when she starts uh, reaching for the writing you know because she works in animation she did it in a lovely arc and it, mm -hmm. it, you know, it looked too lifelike so <laughs> worked away from that original thing I said that you know if you're going to use people there's no point you know that one she might as have, might as have done that in live action you know uh, there's a bit of sort of shimmer in her face but basically she's doing it perfect uh, but then when the paper starts writing the idea of the paper was uh, that there's no writing on it too, that was deliberate, because some of the Dutch paintings don't bother having any writing, it's, you know, it's not about that, it's just about the picture. So I thought, well, I'll just make a parody of that and just have lots of paper and lots of nothing on the paper. Anyway. Thanks. Cool, yeah, yeah thank, thank you too. Thank you. Thank you for listening to STGI Directors in Dialogue. For more information on the Screen Directors Guild of Ireland, visit us at www.sdgi.ie.